Welcome back to the Five of Swords, where we make you go, Damn, son, where'd you find this? (laughs) (laughs) Today, we have all five swords here. Sam? First time, Paul. Uh, and Nick, for some reason, we have him back. I don't know why. You guys had a poor decision in choosing me again. Yeah, well, guess what? You're part of the team somehow, so... Again. Somehow. <laughs> you managed to avoid being that baby wolf. Uh, yeah, uh, we apologize for not putting out an episode. Uh, last week, some stuff came up. Uh, we wanted to sort of address that. Uh, yeah, Paul, I think, had something to say. Yeah, these past few weeks have been filled with uncertainty and excitement. Have been a real roller coaster of emotions for everybody, personally and the world. What it came down to is that I firmly believe that Black Lives Matter and believe in the movement. I think it's far more important than some lighthearted comedy podcast. So we were uncertain about whether we should continue, whether we should open an episode, stop it altogether, or take it in a different direction. And then we realized that this little project that we started as a team, as friends, sitting around and discussing what they believe in and what they think, and simply having fun, is exactly that. It's discussing what we think and what we believe. And that brought us into this episode with new confidence we found ourselves and this project. And this more serious tone of what we believe and what we've experienced with our program, with our school, is uh, really going to be the tone of this episode. Um, we're going to talk about the recent letter to the administration, the administration's response to this letter, and experiences with the program and with our school in general. This life, academic life, uh, extracurriculars like fencing, um, and how quarantine and online learning has changed our perspective of the school and our program. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, so in lieu of a weekly recap, there's a lot that's been happening in our school. Yeah, and the first thing we probably want to jump right in is um, Pano's email to the polity, basically outlining uh, the steps the school would take um, regarding the coming academic year. Maybe the first thing we can talk about right now is just coming back to school during this time. Yeah, it feels strange to me. I don't know. Quarantine really gave me this like weird look at the Johnny bubble and like thinking about going back into it is very, very strange for me, especially with, like, the advent of, like, having to self-regulate temperatures and really, really take, like, how you conduct yourself in an in-person class from, like, the standpoint of we don't want to get people sick is very strange. The I, 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 You're on campus, so you are probably more equipped to talk about what they're exactly doing on campus. I know he brings up a lot of, like, measures about, like, housing that don't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, myself included. I would say it feels a little weird 
especially for St. John's, to be saying so early that we're going to be going back to campus for the fall semester. It just feels like since we don't really have an idea of whether or not it'll be safe, we are very much jumping the gun uh, for opening back up in general. I, I've been a little bit out of the loop, actually, about if you could explain to me what they've done on campus so far uh, at St. John's. Yeah, right now, right now they're remodeling Randall Hall, especially the dining room, which was already the plan before all of this. They, I know they're like fixing up Spectre um, for the parties next year, I assume. Of course. Uh, they will do work on Gilliam eventually. Um, Jay Stone will get the short end of the stick and have no work done on it, like usual. As it should be. Yeah, and it's strange hearing, you know, like how the school is already preparing for like health experts to give directions on how to handle everything where I sort of know from personal experience that the nurses in the health center aren't really in the loop either. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but, you know, maybe that will get me fired. It's also strange coming from a perspective of at least a bit more experience into how at least the state government works is that there has not been any particular announcement about if schools will even be allowed at the state level to be open in the fall. Because that could just theoretically happen. I can't say anything about it, but who knows if there does happen to be some sort of second wave type thing and the Governor Hogan just decides to not let the state open for school, then what's going to happen? Like, it does just seem a little bit early for them to just make this kind of decision. Right. And it goes without saying that St. John's is not the only school to have made this kind of decision. I know there's a school in Texas who has done this. There's a school in Michigan who has already announced this. I don't know if you've heard any more. There's a couple others. There's there's tons of schools that have already made an announcement, and all of them just seem just way too early. St. John's did mention that um, be offering online classes for people who, for whatever reason, can't return to campus. Yeah, I honestly I was thinking about it too because it's just strange because like there, I don't, I can't picture there being that 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 many of them. That's just all of a sudden having to. I mean, this is either going to be really small classes or they just, I, how, I actually have no idea. What the, it seems like it's almost impossible to have the logistics of that work with how small the school is already. I mean, in a weird way, I think it's for international students who, like, literally cannot come back, even though like, oh, America yeah. has opened up, but they can't literally, like, come to campus. Or people who just are at risk, come from at-risk homes. My mother's at risk. I know your father and you are super at risk, Max. So it, I feel like... It's an added buffer, but I also feel like that's like, I don't know, like here, you you never got to experience like this seminar, so here's a board book. Like, It just seems like a band-aid just so people stay. Yeah, yes, yes. That, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, Honestly, I'm, I'm really scared about the return to campus and what campus will look like um, if we do end up returning. Yeah, me too. Though I will say that at least the measures that they've said they want to take seem decently reasonable, like smaller classes, more spread out classes, mandatory masks, buffer dining hall, etc. At least does seem about as practical as you can go in regard to if they do want to for sure keep us in person. It'd be interesting to see if we decide to do 
some outdoor classes as well, because I know one of the things you're supposed to avoid because of coronavirus is confined spaces, and the classrooms that we have aren't super big. I mean, you can definitely have space in between each student, depending on how many students are there, but it's still not the same as outdoors in terms of uh, space. So uh, yes, I can hear Drucker fuck Contop outdoors and... <laughs> <laughs> There's other things you can hear from Drucker, Sam. Yes. Yes. Anyways. Yeah. How about we move into, let's say, the heart of the email sent out is um, the measures that the school will be taken to address the current problems that are going on in the States. Yeah. yeah. I, uh... I mean, let's just, let's just um, talk about the first one, like a field trip to a museum. Yeah, the freshman orientation with a visit to the Banneker Douglas Museum of African American History. I mean, do you think this is like a good start to the Johnny experience? Um, like, does it mesh well with the program of freshman year where it's actually just ancient Greek philosophy? I don't really see how it could particularly mesh too well, though. Again, I haven't, they haven't, that's, a, that's all they've said so far, so. They could have some other material to go along with it, but St. John's has offered road trips uh, to museums and to galleries and concerts and operas. But this seems like something else. Uh, this isn't this isn't like those optional uh, trips that fifty or so students sign up. Uh, this is the whole freshman class. I think it'll really change people approach St. John's. I think for the better. I definitely don't think it's a bad thing. Like I don't see any particular, I don't really see any significant downside to it. I just don't know how much it'll do to change things. As long as it is framed as, like Paul said, a way to like if, if it is presented in an authentically Johnny way and it is used as a jump off point to ask hard questions and have discussions, I think it's great and I think I highly support it. As long as it's not presented as like a band aid because of current events, we that just feels actually kind of tasteless. Yeah, I was about to say my the problems that I had with it was one if if this is all they think is what is needed to solve the issue, as you were saying, Sam, then that's clearly uh, not enough. Um, and the second uh, sort of like a question I had was. Um, if we're planning on bringing the freshmen, the entirety of the freshmen, to the Banneker Douglas Museum of African American History during orientation, how are we going to do that with then also coronavirus impacting the whole situation? That is, I, I think this seems like it's going to be a long-term thing they want to do. So obviously it might be a little disrupted this year. But I, it seemed, I, at least the impression I got is something they plan to do for the foreseeable future. So hopefully once this coronavirus issue gets wrapped up, hopefully by the next year or so, it'll become something that's more easy to achieve. Yeah. I, sorry. Oh, go ahead, please. Uh, it, yeah. Speaking of long-term plans, it feels like that sort of is how you need to implement the kinds of discussions that have been talked about, especially when it comes to the issues of color and racism in class, I think it should be addressed very immediately 
Um, I'm not saying like, we just sort of acknowledge it and then let it fester. And then when it gets bad and we finally like crack down on it, but you can't just, fuck, how would I say this without sounding really fucking problematic? You can't sit two people down in a room and then throw a book down and go like, discuss, which is kind of what seminar is. But at the same time, I feel like this is a way to sort of more organically engender thinking about these kinds of issues in a way that is more conducive to having conversations that go somewhere. I mean, do you think that's why the school is still, in this email at least, very hesitant about actually introducing any more African-American authors that have been influential into the program? Rather, they've been saying things like, well, suggested for precept instead, or join these study groups, right? And we can talk about Keaton's, Keaton Yan's um, letter to the administration as well in this. Yeah, shout out to him. That's a really good letter. Uh, it was very well written. Yeah. Well, it's just, I like the intent. I like where it's trying to take the school. I think that a lot of the suggestions at the end of it, like I think the Garden of Forking Paths should be on the program or it should be talked about in some class or another. Things like that. Like, I think the books... There, there, there's this weird fine balancing act between presenting it like a band-aid for issues that have been prevalent in the program for the existence of the school and actually putting these things into practice in a way that doesn't just make people roll their eyes or have another excuse to persecute students in the classroom again. Uh, I think that's really the point of... Uh, this field trip. Um, I don't know if, if it's actually like field trip itself is meant to do this or if what they're really trying to uh, do with it is uh, change your perspective of the school going in from the beginning um, with a different perspective of whatever we would call Western civilization. Uh, as we look at the great books of the West, I think the point is they're trying to do is trying to fix the broken perspective of the West that program as it stands gives us by offering in more perspectives. Yeah, it does seem sort of, it seems like a good way to add. I guess it, using this awful metaphor, more voices to the table, like letting more people sit down and talk about Western culture and philosophy. Uh, and I think that's a very, very good thing. I, I'm very much upset at the fact that the school has sort of played it safe and gone, well, maybe we can suggest it for precept or something like that. Just, just, just put them in the damn program. I agree with you. I also think the way that the email is worded. The president says at the beginning that St. John's community persists in doing what it does, putting seekers of truth in dialogue with one another and with texts that press us inexor uh, inexorably towards what is true. Um, I think what could be added to this trip at the beginning, it, it would not only open up new, a new perspective immediately to the students, or, well, it shouldn't be new but uh, then give them perhaps a chance during the first seminar to, instead of talking about the Iliad, 
to talk about possibly their experience with uh, this museum so that they have not only a chance to, in, as they put it, as the president puts it, encounter the history, but also be able to discuss it with one another. If, does it feel, though, like a failure on the program's part, in a way, to have to only now be able to let you encounter that and have to take you to a museum to do that? Like It, it yes. should have been something that was there from the beginning. It absolutely should have been. I agree. Like In a weird way, it feels like this is sort of very similar to my experience with what I saw in my class with the Mino seminar, where that was a very big wake-up call for some people. Um about just what exactly happens in the seminar room. You're no longer talking about something with sort of narrative significance. You are now talking about something that has significance to sort of these great ideas that you're going to be talking about in the classroom. So maybe, yeah, like, I think we've thrown this sort of term around, but it is, in a way, like, a buffer for those kinds of conversations to happen before even classes start. Uh, but that also put also puts a lot of trust in a lot of people to be able to have those discussions maturely. I myself have seen uh, an entire class a day like fall apart because somebody just couldn't understand the other person, and it led to a lot of like weird in class resentment. Like I think there are a lot of issues that a trip to a museum will make people look at, but ultimately integrating texts written by people who have different perspectives will hopefully drill down on and help like aid a conversation that is ultimately beneficial for the polity, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it seems like, in a way, like they're using the museum thing as almost like an additional miniature seminar, in a way. Like, as kind of what Sam said, just making people talk and think about it, at the very least. But again, it's not really, as you guys said, not really integrated. And on that issue of, like, the Johnny experience, right, there's a conversation I've been having recently that St. John's actually requires a lot of preparation beforehand to come here, despite what the like the ideal program should be, right? The ideal program is we're all on the same level playing field. We all go here. We start at the beginning of the Western canon of philosophy, but there are so many jargons already that you need to know, right? Like you can go to the first seminar on the Iliad and someone would drop the word pathos and Maybe half the seminar would know, but the other half wouldn't, right? There is a certain level of privilege, if the word is correct, in the incoming freshmen, right? There are people who went through the normal education system, who don't read philosophy, who don't know what Plato is outside of this program. What's going to happen to them when they come here and they can't adapt to it? even if they want to get to something like Hume in junior year? What if they can't make it through the first two years of the program? I don't think anybody can't make it. I think one of the wonderful things about St. John's and about the seminar that it's not really a discussion on philosophy, but rather perspectives of each individual student having read a certain text. Um, I've had similar conversations with, like, uh, with regards to the tutorials. Is when you come to St. John's and you do a music tutorial, like you do in sophomore year, or or if you go through very uh, 
very much debated and, and unified uh, of my language program. Um, not really going through those to become a musician or to become a logician. Of course, we have a lot of great artists and musicians that come to St. John's prosper and thrive in the music uh, tutorials. But that's not really the point of the tutorial, if that makes sense. I think the same is true with seminar. Not really reading these texts to be a philosopher in the, the uh, artistic sense of the word or the technical sense. Don't you feel like at times, though, there is like a sort of facade that a student must put on to be able to appear like they get the program, they understand what the point of the program is? Like, what if someone brings in, you know, let's let's state the most obvious. What if someone references Percy Jackson? Wait, the reading the Iliad? Jesus Christ. No, let's, yeah, like take that as the most extreme point, right? Because they they don't know how to talk about it. In this very first seminar, they bring up Percy Jackson because maybe that's their only connection, their only knowledge of Greek mythology. And I'm not saying that's expected from of the student from the tutors. I'm saying other students already have a level of expectation then in that very first seminar that you shouldn't do this, you know? I think... Of what happens freshman year is all your expectations of what St. John's is, what it should be, what you thought it was, and what seminar is, and what he should be, what you thought it was, get shattered as you see that it's not what you thought it was. Or it shouldn't be what you thought it should be. I had a lot of discussions with tutors and colleagues my freshman year. Because it wasn't really translating. Uh, the whole point where I really didn't understand the point of St. John's in general. And I went around to try and understand that. I don't think anybody should really go into a freshman seminar with expectations of what it is. And I don't think anybody should really... Um, uh, cast eye someone for not understanding what it is, at least initially. And so, with that being said, where does that put a trip to the museum? Well, in the very beginning. Yeah. What I think the point is that it's supposed to um, change how you view the texts on the program not the school it's supposed to give you an, an outlook a sort of lens use these texts at least that's how I understood the point of it yeah what I was just trying to say is you know it would be very difficult for freshmen who haven't had their expectations broken yet be taken to a museum for orientation and somehow have this expectation put on them almost as if, you know, they're supposed to be able to handle these real world problems. Whereas from my perspective, the freshman and the sophomore program even encourages the student to forego a lot of the 
views they have about the world to be able to immerse themselves in like the ancient works. I think you're supposed to like get rid of any presupposition half of the works you're reading or of whatever it is you're diving into. Um, I don't think you're supposed to let go of views you have of the world. I think, if anything, you're supposed to really examine those views. So that's how I've always approached St. John's. And honestly, I really appreciate working through what seem to be uh, some of the most difficult texts on the program in freshman year. Working through these difficult ideas while also trying to figure out what seminar is and my place in a seminar. I find reflecting on these uh, now in sophomore year and I'm sure in the future in junior year be of really to be really valuable. The school has a very strange expectation uh, for me where it is taboo in a way to bring in sort of historical context and just extra textual context to what you say in the classroom. But I think a lot of people misconstrue that as the sort of difference between examining views that you've had using the text in a vacuum versus like just somehow starting from a blank slate, which I just don't think is possible. Um, and well, I think talk- you don't want to kind of start. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead. I was just, just going to say that I don't think that you actually want, I think the whole point is you don't want to start from a blank slate. You want everyone to have their own perspective on things. It's just they want you want them to have perspectives on what you're actually talking about, not bringing in outside yeah. things people can actually have reference to because they ha- might not have read it. Yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to say is when you take that into context or in the context of what exactly we're talking about now, uh, especially with the discussion of adding a lot more perspectives to the table, it, it is better to have gone at it with the mindset less of like, you can't think about the historical context of like this person. And uh, what am I trying to say? Like, think about it more in the way that what this person was saying is a product of whatever influenced them. Uh, a lot of philosophy, as I think Paul has said to me before, on the program is very reactionary. Uh, on, like, And you kind of have to take into account the fact that there is a lot of problematic things that can happen when you just read what we are reading in the, in a vacuum, uh, ideologically and intellectually. uh, And, and I I just think that there is this sort of strange shifting of perspective that occurs in a lot of people's minds where suddenly they transition into, Oh, I'm not going to like, not just not bring, historical context into the classroom, but sort of ignore the fact that a lot of these were written by very problematic people. I don't really know where I'm going with that. I, I need y'all to save me. I'm fucking floundering, please. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I, uh, I think that was a really big part of Keaton's letter. At least how I understood it very crudely is that there's a lot of things in our program uh, and in these texts that are just as you say, problematic, and uh, there's really nothing that addresses them other than a student at the seminar table. Um, I think an, another big point of it is that 
program as it stands is missing a lot of what makes the West the West. So there are people who go through the entirety of the program without ever considering this particular perspective, Notice, notably the perspective of women and perspective of people of color. And there have been amazing literary and philosophical works that honestly deserve a place on the program be much more than some of the books already there. Yeah, that, have... that was initially the problem. Yeah, let's have a thought experiment. If if you could replace two seminars in the program, which one would it be? Huck Finn. Huck Finn. <laughs> Holy shit, we gotta get rid of Huck Finn. Oh my god. Cannot give people license to say those words under the guise of like, oh my god, it's part of the text. Like, what? Oh, that sounds terrible. I'm sorry, but like, also, like, I, I'm i in a very strange place with Huckleberry Finn, where it, I also just think Tom Sawyer is a better book. Uh, but... And it's not saying we don't think any of these are va- like valid pieces of literary art. It's just based on the place in the program. No, I was saying that. Okay. <laughs> but I was saying exactly that. I think Tom Sawyer is just a better book. But, you know... Uh, I mean, yeah. It's also infinitely less problematic. It is problematic. Never mind. I forgot the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we've all experienced program with major cuts in it due to COVID and online. I can't really say I, that I was yearning for a St. Matthew's Passion Seminar. As somebody who had a St. Matthew's Passion Seminar, you were right was, uh, to not be crazy yeah. for that. That is definitely something that I I could say you could do without, partially because it's also covered in music class. That's true. Yeah, and like way more in depth there too. So we could. It's definitely somewhere. It's sure we can talk about it in a seminar, but the spot is so coveted and could go to something so much better. Oh, well, realistically, it, it is like known as the prank seminar, at least from what I have been told. And then for some reason, the prank committee was like, ah, yes. And this time we'll pull a fast one on him and we're going to have it during fucking Calvin. Uh, so then we got stuck with actually having a goddamn passion seminar and it was uh, certainly something. What about you, Nick? I can't remember the name of it, but it's the, I think it's the Plato, or not Plato, the Sophocles writing about um, the ancient Greek bowman that is the one who... Oaxetes? Yeah. Yeah. I just found that to be out of place in where it was and could be filled with something that was more interesting. Okay. How dare you say the tragedies aren't interesting? <laughs> yeah, your opinion's not valid. You're a freshman. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Yeah, I am a freshman. Yeah, right. get out of here, dog. You have an experience. You didn't have a passion seminar. You didn't have to talk about fucking Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, so on that note, right, I attended the lecture by uh, Dr. Michael Sawyer from Colorado College, which can be uh, arguably be considered the, you know, St. John's first response to this whole thing is let's have a lecture on just how do we incorporate these works by African American authors into the program. And the majority of the lecture was 
spent by um, Dr. Sawyer on saying, okay, we can't replace, you know, anything that is very important to the canon, but we also need to incorporate, which is admittedly very difficult to do, right? Because we can't agree on which which book we want to drop, except uh, except in this podcast, who people all agree that it's Huck Finn. But another point that Dr. Sawyer brought up is there needs to be a very strong amount of trust between the students and the tutors themselves. And I think a lot of the discomfort that we're having with Huck Finn might stem from the fact that we don't trust our tutors to handle these texts well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's... That, <laughs> I'm sorry, but my uh, my junior seminar, uh, not junior, uh, yeah, I, yeah, no, it was junior. God damn it. My junior seminar on Huck Finn was um, a very big trust fall that most of the class was let to just fall into an abyss. Uh, we were, we were, we were, oh man. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you very much that we there has to be this implicit, like, agreement at the table that we are going to try to discuss something in as intellectual a light as possible without hiding behind the fact that because we're discussing it, and nobody can see the air quotes I'm holding up, like discussing it intellectually, that doesn't change the fact that it has some really just awful content in it. Uh, and that sort of goes back to what I was trying to say about like context being stripped away warps in a very negative way, how we treat these texts in a very bad manner. Um, like, no, you cannot, no, you can't just say like, oh, because it's in the book that he wrote, I can say it, no. And at one point, it should, at one point, it should not just be an implicit rule, like implicit understanding between the two, right? Like, from what we've seen, it should be explicit, it should be said out loud that this can this should not be done. Yeah, or or like it, again, there were seminars that I heard of. Unfortunately, fucking wasn't ours, Max. Uh, where the tutor sat down and prefaced it by saying, "As I'm sure you guys know, this book has a word in it that is you should never say." But and then oftentimes there was a comma, but and that is what the problem is for me is you should not. <sighs> I think the lack of perspective from African-American writers and philosophers and artists on the program enables, I guess, of this way that you approach Huck Finn. I, mean, I haven't had a Huck Finn, so I don't know, but I thought a big part, a big part of uh, Jian's letter is that um, the program is significantly missing a very important perspective. And that because the program is missing that, it's enabling people who don't consider it or who look down on it, it's honestly enabling racism and white supremacy because it's lacking perspective of marginalized peoples. Yeah, it, I, I don't know if I'm just parroting your point here, but for me, it has always sort of felt as somebody who has not necessarily experience systemic racism, but just exclusionary and derogatory racism. Not in the classroom at all, actually, that I can think of. Please, if you've been racist to me, let me know. 
Uh, <laughs> send me send me your location. Oh, um, that's definitely getting cut. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Oh dear God. Um, <laughs> it feels like this odd, horrible double standard where we we talk about <laughs> we talk about how we open up all these avenues of conversation and then turn around and only talk about fucking wasps. Like, really? That that's that's the full table is Hume, and then the other guy that looked exactly like Hume. I disagree with the program only sponsoring wasps. There is a lot of Catholicism in sophomore oh, year. Oh man! Oh, really? A lot of Catholicism that doesn't need to stay. Oh no! Okay, 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 okay. Let's cut that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, no, no. We're keeping that. No, no, and not because I'm hating it. Just because there's so much of it. No, I, I, I actively hate Calvin's, especially the second seminar. We can cut that. Calvin is not Catholic. Calvin is quite the. <laughs> yeah, but still, whatever. Know, I, I'm tired of reading about it. Cut one of the Aquinas <laughs> seminars too. How did we? Actually. How did it get problematic at this point in the fucking discussion? Oh, how whatever. did we finally manage to get to the point where we're like, yeah, fuck this person, and then it's just bad. <laughs> oh no. Oh. I'm in a weird place with where the Bible is treated sophomore year. I think that reading the Bible is a very good thing because I don't know if you guys agree with me on this one. I I don't know if Paul does. I think we've had this discussion, but for me, at least sitting down and looking at the Bible, not necessarily as a philosophical text or a religious text, or it's this strange sort of very much like what you want to get out of it. You get out of it centric text. Uh, and then you talk about the people that wrote about it and their relationship with God, and in, in a way, it epitomizes the whole examining your own values uh, that the school is trying to do, I guess, or encourages you doing. I, I know that I did. I didn't, like, have a change of faith or anything. But it certainly made me sit down and look at a lot of things in my own life and things that I have thought. Uh, and that that ultimately is when I think the program is succeeding, as long as it's not like in a actively prejudicial way. Yeah, I I can at least share my own experience with the Bible, especially being so fresh with it. Sophomore year and Bible study group now. Um, Bible has always been a very major part of my life. Uh, growing up, in a very religious household very Catholic household. Um, I have the opportunity to be able to revisit the Bible without, I guess, the, I guess, is Catholic dogma is invaluable to me. Uh, it's really, really difficult Bible seminars, um, especially in Old Testament seminars because Catholicism, the answer to every question about the Old Testament is because Jesus isn't here yet. <laughs> um, and so, but I, I really have to say, and this is just my personal experience, that revisiting the Bible in within the context of seminar has been a major, uh, made a major impact on me and, and my personal life. Uh, it allowed me to revisit something that I didn't necessarily look favorably on 
really changed my perspective on it. Again, that's probably because it's probably because the Bible has been so influential in my life. Actually, I would like to say um, slightly retract what I said. I don't think all the Bible should be cut or any like too much of it should be cut, if any. It's that some seminars, I would say if we are talking about just from the perspective of adding more things to the program, some things can, can be combined. And I think it would not be to the detriment. Please send us an email. What do you remember from your Anselm seminar? And if the answer is I don't, then cool, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't remember Anselm? He's so influential with his theory on how you will never be able to experience God, even with his method of experiencing God. <laughs> He's a fucking wellspring that you can never see the source of. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just um, read Plotinus. It's way better. <laughs> Max, could you... Could yeah. you give me some examples of things you would want combined? Because I haven't been through that part of the program yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, for starters, we do Matthew, Luke. I think Matthew and Luke, I think, would not suffer from being one combined reading, doing both of them, and then talking about both of them. Um, for starters, uh, Romans and Corinthians as well. Uh off the top of my head, I don't remember the others, but there's one other thing I was thinking of. Just like, again, not like cutting things, because again, Paul is a valid point. Just more so that there's room for other voices. If you're willing to cut this, I can, can you just give me a second in, in the reading list so we can actually look at it. Yeah, I, I just pulled it up. I think you can definitely revamp how we look at the old, uh, not the Old Testament, fuck, the uh, the New Testament, the other one, yeah. And that would make space for sort of, I don't know, because it feels weird when we, we do the Old Testament, you take a break, you discuss all these other things, and then you go back to the New Testament and the theologians. Uh, it feels like there's an opening there to put sort of more perspectives on the table uh, from other sort of demographics and voices uh, I don't know I'm trying to now I'm sort of racking my brain for that Bao said two seminar texts that we could cut uh, and I'm trying to think of maybe necessarily longer re I don't I'm going to get a lot of shit for this from from people that I'm about to talk to later today uh, but I don't know if we need to do two Don Quixote seminars to be completely honest with you I think it is an influential work but Again, it's not saying that some works aren't influential. It's that we there if the school wants to have room for other voices, something's going to have to go, or at least give a little. You're off the squad, Cervantes. Yeah, well, some work is just way too long to get through in one seminar, like middle. But it's the, the the first Don Quixote one is the summer seminar. You're already you should be done it already by the time you yeah. get to class. Yeah. Well, it's not the point of being done with the reading. It's being able to talk about the whole reading throughout the two hours that you were Yeah, reading. that's true. But, yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. They did, I guess, schedule the long ones for, yeah. Yeah. That's why Middlemarch was right after uh, winter break, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. That's why War and Peace is, will be yeah. the first senior. God damn it. I'm trying to think of other, uh, like, long-form readings. Uh, there, I don't think we need to cut any of the Kant. Um, yeah, no, Kant doesn't make sense until the last seminar. So Wait, we, need, 
You need all yeah, of it. It doesn't it, make it, sense it, if, if you just tell me that I'm wrong and then when I was just saying what Kant said two fucking paragraphs down, but, you know, it's all right. I'm not salty from a certain fucking junior seminar. <laughs> As you can tell, he loves it. You can censor his name, but uh, fuck you, Mr. Drucker. I was right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, guess what? My fucking, in, my oral, in my fucking oral, this fucking motherfucker, Mr. Roboto over here, is like, don't use the word parallelism. And then I incidentally happen to be, like, on, like, an article about, like, something completely unrelated. And I was like, yeah. And then it, like, ties way back into uh, this, like, thing that Leibniz talks about. Like, this, like, parallelism of the world. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? Gentlemen, gentlemen, there is one simple solution here you are not seeing. Just take out two precepts. I, they, I remember we had this talk. We brought up this point. And they brought up the point. I, yeah, we, I said, I, we talked, I talked about this before with Sam and Paul and I, they brought up that point and I, it, it makes some sense, but I will say from the experience of having that one precept that I've had, obviously junior year, is that I think that it benefited from strongly from every one of those days of precept. Yeah, but you have planning, like you have time to plan out how, you know, how much reading you're going to do in a precept. Like, the tutor has time to do that. So, given the constraint, they can plan around it. You would get the same amount of, like, open perspective, and it would be time better spent, I think, if you cut two weeks of precept and included, again, authors of color and female authors. Those those are, all, that is also time well spent. Like, that, I feel like there's that weird implicit implication in the times I have heard cutting precept get brought up that somehow that's more valid than hearing more voices at the table. And I think that's a really bad mentality to approach this with. Like, they, like you said it yourself, things have to go if we're going to expand the program and include what needs to be included. That's fair. I think two weeks of precept seems excessive, especially if other things can be cut as well. Like a week of precept cuts two precepts, which is two whole new seminars, which is already significant. Yeah, that's two whole new seminars that could include... Uh, other perspectives and the same sort. I, I don't yeah, know. no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I say cutting a week of precept does seem reasonable. Books uh, that were suggested for the, the program. And there were some really, really good picks on the list that I would love to have. Maybe there's a precept that I like more, but like, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, what, what book would you want the most? Um, given the list, you know, or just from your own reading, I'm going to butcher his fucking name. Uh, but we read it during the Summer Academy. Um, uh, Jorge Luis, is it Borges or Borges? I don't fucking know. But Labyrinths, The Garden of Forking Paths, Talon, Ukbar, and Orbeus Tertius are all really good short stories that are very, very much worth talking about in class. Anyone else? Yeah, I think Uncle Tom's Cabin and Invisible Man as well are really good ones. I've read Invisible Man, and yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, um, my, my vote's behind Invisible Man. As well. Oh, I know where the cage bird sings. Yeah. Uh, I did not see that originally. That, that yes, I would, I would definitely. Where are we seeing this list of suggested books? Uh, it's at the bottom of the letter to the admin that Keaton wrote. I think, just going back really quickly, while, while Max finds um, um, is, I think, for at least for freshman year, which is coincidentally also the only year that I've had at St. John's, I think there needs to be more than just cutting specific readings and replacing them with other ones. Um, I think the 
actual readings need to be rearranged in some way that makes it so that when we do touch on the uh, readings that we would be adding, it is not something where we uh, we just kind of like hit them, hit a note on them, and then just leave it for the rest of the year, and either don't come back to it or just like have it be something like, well, that was a thing that happened. Anyway, let's move on. It can't feel token, is I think what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. I will say that, yeah. Yeah, because I do think that at least for, there are, basically, I think it's a good point, because I think a good number of stuff we read that we don't really reference again. And there are, of course, a bunch of texts that, I mean, we're, we're just done being juniors, that even junior people were referencing again in seminar. Yeah, we don't want more music seminars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the ideas that I thought of when I was trying to, when I was asking this question is, oh, why don't you just put them at the end of the year? Because then they won't be interrupting the program. But first of all, just they shouldn't be in the first place. If they're interrupting the program, then yeah, then they that's sh- the wrong choice to include. They shouldn't be interrupting. They should be part of the program. And we can't wait until the end of the year to talk about these things, even if that would potentially be a good time because it means the students have had enough time to understand kind of what seminar is or what they are supposed like how they're supposed to work through um their classes i think it needs to definitely be much sooner in the year yeah in, in a weird way i think we have to um sort of give people time to know how to have a classroom discussion but we cannot let them incubate on the the topic of said discussion right that that should be a place where there is no wavering in what we address and what you talk about in that room. Right. So going back to one of the earlier things that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, um, do we think that, or not do we, but do any of you think that the uh, trip to the Banneker Douglas Museum of African American History do you think it should be moved later in the year or should it stay at the freshman orientation time? Or? It really depends on how they present it. I think if it is actually presented in a sort of Mino-esque way that sort of shatters your preconception of what exactly was going to happen when you got here, I think it should stay at the beginning. But if they're just going to make it feel token because of current events, then either cut it, just don't, don't, don't fucking do it, or include it later in the year when people have learned how to have these discussions in the quote unquote Shawnee way and then present them with that issue. It's a weird balancing act. And in my own thought experiment in my head, it is really hard to think about what would need to go and where would need to go in its place. That is a very three dimensional issue that you have made lucid to me now. You could consider it something like Antigone or like St. Matthew's passion or even Phaedrus. Thing we return to at some other point in the year. That would be really good. Or yeah, in the yeah. program. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Read Antigone in freshman year. Then most sophomore language classes start first semester off with a translation of Antigone. And then you live Antigone senior year. <laughs> you do the same thing with Mino as well. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, uh, I mean, the last reading of senior year is a freshman seminar. Reading. Yeah as well, right? So there is that cyclic nature that the school did want to introduce. So I guess it's time to integrate 
a sort of different set of questions and issues into that cycle. It is time. The time is now old, man. Wow. Good meme, Sam. Good meme. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> Good meme, Sam. I, I have been watching, rewatching Malcolm in the Middle, though. That's a good show. Good meme, pal. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to. No, no, I get it. <laughs> no, I <didn't. laughs> Stay tuned for episode four when Sam just cries into a mic, and it's just that for the next 30 fucking minutes. Why stay uh, tuned? You could just do that now as an Absolutely not. Lemo uh, uh, one. Le- yeah, Lemo one, Sam <laughs> cries. Lemo one. Uh, and then if you want to donate to our Patreon, you can get the tears shipped no, to Donate to the OnlyFans. What OnlyFans? Excuse <laughs> me? Yeah, we already talked about it. No, we did not talk about. Yes, uh, the SJCFU is uh, starting a OnlyFans. We're announcing it Absolutely now not. on the podcast. No, stay tuned. Stay tuned. No, no, no. You've dug this hole for us, Max. Stay tuned. <laughs> SJCFU, where we, where your worst nightmares will be realized. Wait, do we get any questions in their email? Absolutely or no? not. No, either we one of not. us fucked up the the post, or I just don't know how to make an email address. But you know. Well, it could be both. Por que no los dos? Like, you no, know, the world... It's, it just goes to prove that no one will subscribe to our OnlyFans. It's not about subscriptions, though. It's not about oh. subscriptions, because we don't put out quality content with the fucking podcast, but with our OnlyFans, oh boy. <laughs> oh, I'll subscribe to our OnlyFans. It's a very incestuous money stream. That's because you're going to be the main purveyor of content, Paul. Well... This has been episode three of the Five of Swords. Dear Christ. I would like to remind you that shoddy is indeed like a melody in your okay, head. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. Um, yeah. Hopefully what we have said here has given you something to work with in these strange times. Uh, please, we'd love to hear from you. We have an email address, sjcfucast at gmail.com. All lowercase, I believe. Um if you want to tell us that Calvin somehow belongs on the program, please feel free to. Uh, we would love to hear your input. You're wrong, but we'd love to hear your fucking input. We would really not like to hear uh, someone defend Huck Finn. Yeah, no, please. Not. <laughs> if you defend Huck Finn, I swear to God.